0: series called Indwelling. And, you know, it's interesting because I don't get to go to other churches on Sunday mornings and hear what they're preaching about. So, sometimes I, I listen to stuff um, through the week, or people will uh, suddenly feel from the Lord. I know that one of my friends, Tudy who's not here this morning, Tootie will sometimes send me a podcast or a song or something like that. Or other people will send me messages like, hey, Meg, I think you should listen to this. And so, it kind of gives me a flavor sometimes of what the Holy Spirit's doing on a bigger level, but, but when we're kind of planning our—, our semesters out for preaching. We don't always know what everybody else is doing. But this weekend at the women's conference, I have to tell you, it like slipped in. The weekend conference slipped in as though it was part of our indwelling series that we've been doing. And I realized the Lord is the Lord of all, right? Like He's speaking His word across the world. His eyes are looking back and forth. Who has a heart for me? Who will listen to me? Who will allow me to be a resting place for their spirit? And and who will abide with me. And each of the women that shared over the weekend they all came back to a couple very key words but there was this this theme throughout the whole thing that without the abiding presence of the Lord without the intentionality of us connecting in with the Lord and the Lord connecting in with us we are barren. We're barren. We don't—hey, baby girl, we are barren. You know what? I probably should tell you what barren means, because you probably don't even know, do you? No. Barren means that a tree is barren if it doesn't have fruit on it. Yeah. Do you want to go pick a cherry tree that has no cherries? Do you want to go pick an apple tree that has no apples? No. We often think of it as women who are barren, and the study of barrenness in the Bible is is quite interesting. The Lord took me through that a number of years ago in my own testimony, and that's a story for another time. But it was interesting how many things that came back to to the idea of barrenness without the abiding or the resting presence of the Father. And that is today, where we're hitting today is the abiding resting place of the Father. There's two different types of presences of His Spirit that we see in the Word. There's number one is the manifest presence. Um, Did you guys get papers when y'all came in? I just realized that. Everybody got a paper? Okay, hopefully you do. So, but there's one is the manifest presence of God. In the Old Testament, the Spirit came upon people, right? It was for a specific task, a specific time. You see it with David. You see it with um, some of the judges. You see it with different types of people where they, for a period of time, the Spirit came upon them to help them to complete something or to help them work on something. And the reason for that being is that it was to change the circumstance around us. It was a shift in the atmosphere, a shift in the reality of what they were experiencing, a shift in some way. And we still need the manifest presence of God at times. We need to see that happen, and we're going to actually talk more about that next week. But then we also need number two up there. I don't know if this is on your sheet or not. I don't think I have a copy of it. It's the abiding presence or the resting presence of God. In Acts 2, 3, it said that it came to rest on each of them. A couple times recently I've heard Chuck and Brad talk about that we would walk differently if each of us went around with a dove sitting on our shoulder. If we were aware of the dove on our shoulder, we would probably stand up a little straighter and walk a little more carefully. You know, don't ruffle the dove in a sense. (laughs) like Make sure that you're walking in that presence. And, And the abiding presence came down and landed on Jesus in that anointing. We saw that as as a symbolic anointing with the dove resting upon him. But then, as we talked about the last couple of weeks, there's that transition from Jesus being the temple to us being the temple. And that abiding, resting of the Holy Spirit being something. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, it is at the top. Perfect. Um, the ab- forgotten I cut them out. I'm sorry, they're all crooked, too. I don't know what's up with our copy machine today. I kept trying and I couldn't get it, so it was a mess. Anyway, but where can I go from your Spirit? Where can I hide from your love? The abiding presence of God, when it comes in, it is flowing and it is moving with you. It is a constant thing. That a thing—isn't that a weird thing to say about the Holy Spirit? It's, he's not a thing. It's a It's joy, it's peace, it's love, it's patience. He has a name, the holy presence of God indwelling in us. So, I want to talk to you a little bit about this, and then I have a story in the middle of it that I shared this weekend, and I think I've shared parts of it before, but I wanted to go over it because it just hit my heart so much, Um, and I like stories— So, I thought I'd share it. I love this Bill Johnson quote. I know we've talked about it before, but the Holy Spirit is in me for my sake, but he comes upon me for your sake. And so, when we go through the four-week um, Kingdom Boot Camp, we talk about the difference, and we activate and help each other hear and pick up the difference in that. If you think, oh, I got that down, I don't really need it, I want us to all do it together because there's something about the body coming together and learning to listen to one, for one another that it breaks down walls. It just breaks down walls. It breaks down pride. It breaks down fear. It breaks down arrogance. And we get to see each other. We did this a couple years ago, and it was one of the most beautiful times of just learning to listen for one another. So, if you don't think that you can hear from the Lord, I think sometimes we put it in such a way that the only way we can hear from the Lord is like using our ears— And then we're like, no, it's not really our ears. It's our mind or our heart. So we're hearing in our mind or our heart. We make it really weird and odd and difficult to be tangible for people. And the Lord's like, I'm not trying to be difficult. I want to be super tangible. I want all of your senses. I want all of your body. I want to explore with you how you can hear me throughout being around me and in me, and and I'm there. So, He wants to come upon us in a different way. All right, open up really fast to John 14, if you will, for me. Flip there, push there, turn there. I'm in the ESV. I'm not sure what this is going to be up here. It is an ESV? Okay. Let's read this really fast. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. You know what? Would you guys stand with me for the reading of the word? If you can, I just, this is, we don't always do that. We're not super liturgical here, but there's something, especially with this, where I'm just like, oh, Lord, give us this moment. This is like, give us your daily bread. This is the daily bread, Father. Father. Let us eat of this. John fourteen fifteen. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father. Who is I in this? Thank you. Who's the you? Us. Yes, exactly. Us y'all could all say me. So, <laughs> all right. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's such good news. I was thinking of the pictures. There's been, been um, a number of pictures in the, in the news lately of, of um, our dear armed force members carrying babies. Have y'all seen those where they've been passing babies over the walls to, to get the babies out of Afghanistan? And I can't imagine being a mama. Y'all, my heart has been breaking over this, but I can't imagine being a mama up against a wall somewhere and knowing because I have chosen the good thing. I need to pass my baby up to some stranger. Most of these are still young enough that they're, they're, I'm sure they're breastfeeding. And they're just passing these babies up. And the last look of their baby's foot as it goes over to the wall into some other man's hands. And you don't know what's going to happen. And I wonder if some of those mamas there... They probably don't have the word like this with them. But how many of them in their heart hear the words, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, Lord. Don't leave my baby as an orphan. Let me find them. Provide for them. Hunt my baby down with your love. I think that's the Jesus's heart there for his people. That's his heart for you guys. It's his heart for the world right there. Don't ignore my word. Don't ignore my word. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet in a little while the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live. You also will live. In that day, you will know that I am my Father, and in you, me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Right there, manifest. Next week, ching. Judas said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you. While I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to, you, to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Right there, I think it's really interesting because there have been a number of times when you're reading throughout the Word that it, something happened and then it has this little tagline where it says um, that later on the disciples remembered. Do you guys remember, remember some of those places? Like, oh, after he was crucified, the disciples remembered. Or later they remembered this moment. Um, I was teaching out of the withered fig tree story yesterday. And in there it says, later they remembered this moment. Okay? And it says right here. <laughs> and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Do you ever think that sometimes Satan does that too? He remembers the things he's said into your mind at times. But there are other times where the Lord brings back the things he's said to you. He is faithful to do that. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Hmm. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, that your word stands true, that you would not leave your children as orphans, that you call us to not live as orphans, to not live as abandoned and afraid, but to trust that what you say, you will do. We lift up the babies and the families across the world, those who need families those who need protection, those who need strength, walk with them, Lord. May the the body of Christ around the world rise up and cry out for justice, your justice, Lord. May we stand in awe of what you're going to do in the days ahead. We love you. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all can sit down now. Thank you. Most of you had, but I appreciate that. So, there's a couple things here. I have been listening on and off for like this last year. I was in The Hiding Place a whole lot, listening to it by Corey Ten Boone. And it was her story of, of walking through the concentration camp experience, and, and her family being stripped away from her and passing away, and her coming out the other end and sharing her story. And I keep thinking how there are things that are going on in this world that it says in this world there will be trouble. There, it will be hard. It will be hard. But what's the second part of that? Do you guys remember? I have, I have overcome the world. There's a story here that's yet to be written, but has already been written at the exact same time. And we get to take apart. We are meant for this day and age. It's not an accident that you were built and knit in your mother's room, womb during this time period. But I'm going to tell you, it's been a little hard, hasn't it? The last number of years have felt a little bit like we've been whipped around, and the Holy Spirit, I think He's saying, look at here, let's go back to basics. There's some reason I'm here, and we're going to ground ourselves in these things, because I'm here to do a few things you don't need to be whipped. Megan, you don't need to be whipped around. You don't need to be whipped around. I'm here, so why is He here? Number one, to comfort and encourage. Is that encouraging just on its own to know that one of the goals of the Holy Spirit is to comfort you? I mean, that's what the other name for the helper is, right? Is the comfort to encourage you. You weren't meant to always have to dig it out yourself and just fight for it. There are seasons of fighting, and then there are seasons of resting. (sighs) Another word for that is abiding. John 14, right there. Do we have it up here? Mm Mm-hmm right here if you love me I'm going to start Yeah. if you love me you will keep my commandments those are not matching up on my paper I did something oh no back to 15 14, 15 in the beginning we're at 27 up there can we go backward 6 25 24 y'all have your words out We're going to jump back in. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I ask the Father, and he will send you the helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth that the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him or know him. I know that there's a saying that I heard years ago in a counseling. Um, I don't know who, who told me this. I think it was a counselor. I don't remember how this came about. But they were like said that hurt people hurt people. Have you guys heard that before? Hurt people hurt people. So, I'm somewhat surprised sometimes when the world acts like the world, right? Like sometimes I get almost offended. Like, whoa, they cut me off. Or, oh, they were really ugly when they drove past me and I wasn't going fast enough. And I'm like, what? What did I do? You didn't do anything. Hurt people hurt people. They have not had the Father relieve them of that pain. And if we're still walking in this pain ourselves and carrying it around, the good news is that the comforter is here. We can lay that down. Sometimes we have to intentionally—I would say always we have to intentionally lay that down. We always have to intentionally lay it down. But that's the comfort and encourager. But then he comes to guarantee our sonship, right here, Romans 8.15, 8.15, We're going to be flying through like a whole bunch of these. I think these are actually in your notes. Good. So, you can actually read them there with me. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God. And I know often we want to change some things here and be like, we're sons and daughters. But the important part on this, if we're looking back in the Word, is that we want the spirit of sonship. We want the spirit of adoption as sons, because in the Word what that means is that you get everything. All of it. You don't get a part of it. You're not marginalized. You don't get part because you're a daughter, part because you're a son. In the word, when it talks about the spirit of sonship, it means you get everything that you're supposed to have. The inheritance is full. If we start playing with it there and say daughters in that exact way, then if we go historical context, we actually lose out if we call it that. If we take it from a modern translation and say, oh, as daughters, we may understand that, but the Word actually talks about historically that you wanted to step into the sonship because you got everything that you could need and everything that you could want. You got it all, full adoption rights, not just partial adoption rights. So, I want to cry out for sonship in that area, to know fully who I am and whose I am. This guarantee of sonship. We're stepping into the intimacy of the Father. I love that at King's Church, some of our kids get super comfortable. And sometimes we have to pull them back in and be like, here's the boundaries, right? Here are some boundaries. But the reason they get super comfortable is it's like it's their home too right? They're home too. And we want to teach that there's areas of respect or honor. We do that. But it's, it's interesting to watch kids don't have the same fears that we do as adults, right? Like they will often just run up to you or they'll run over to you. And, and I saw this mom in the store the other day or was somewhere, and she was trying to work. And her daughter was in a back room of the store, and you could hear this little girl crying. And one of the other tri- workers that was with her was trying to comfort the girl, but it was not. The little girl wanted mama. She was three years old, and she wanted her mama. And so, eventually, they um, came and traded out with me, and then she traded back. And she was trying to apologize, and I was like, no, no, this is good. And she's like, well, sometimes she just needs to run up and just touch me. And I was like, well, that's amazing. And she looked at me like, I'm not sure what amazing is about that. And I said, well, well, listen, I have two adopted kids and have had to go through a lot of adoption classes and, and trainings for doing foster care and different things. And one of the things you see in a child who does not have the bonding that it needs to have is that they don't come up and just touch mamas and run and c- come back? Often they'll just go up to strangers and want to hold their hand and walk off with them and just take off with them. And it takes a while for that bonding to happen. And in some kids, it never does because the heart was so broken at such a young age. But but it, when you see kids and, and sometimes as moms are sort of like, oh my word, I get touched so much so often. And we hear about—I hear moms kind of complaining, like, oh, I'm just always being touched. But, But it's like, no, it's good. Your kid is just coming up and wanting to make sure, are you good? I'm good. We're good. Okay. And they're on their way. And it's totally natural, and it's normal, and it's important. It's so important to do. And so, when we want the full spirit of adoption, we want to be able to touch our Abba Father anytime we need. We want to just touch base God, you there? You're good? I'm good? Okay, we're good. He wants us to be that intimate with Him at any time. And the woman at the store the other day, she just looked at me and she was like, Really? That's normal? Must have been her first kid. And I was like, Completely normal. And it's good. Go love on your baby. You're fine. I can wait. And it was just like the sweetest little moment. John 16, 13, let's jump down, to give wisdom and revelation. When the Spirit comes, He will guide you in all truth, and He will not speak on on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. The Spirit of truth. We need that Spirit of truth, don't we? In this day and age, we need the spirit of truth because we don't need wisdom alone. The world has wisdom, the word talks about wisdom, the wisest man in the world. He was not very happy. I need both wisdom and revelation. I need the spirit of truth to lay itself out on my shoulders and on my mind and remind me of His truth. Because my truth will change. The reality of what I live in moment by moment, what's going on in the world around me will change, but the spirit of truth will not change. And in that, I need to be willing to lay things down at times and to repent. Lord, I made it something it wasn't. I built it into something in my heart that you didn't call me to build upon. Or I I laid hold of this, what I thought was a truth, and I grounded it into my life. And yet, it was really out of something else. I need to lay it out. So, the most beautiful thing to me is that, number four, is that he convicts and corrects us. Nevertheless, in John 16, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Aren't we glad that he is the one that can come in and realign us to true north? He can do that. But it doesn't happen if we just turn on, like, turn on the TV, like, every day. I remember growing up, my mom would— Um, right before she started to go make dinner, she would watch the news for just a little bit. I don't remember which news show, but it was coming in. It was probably right at 5 o'clock, and she'd just watch a little bit of the news. She'd turn it on just for a few minutes and then turn it off and go to go make dinner. It was just touching base with what was going on in the world. And I kind of think of it, if we do that, we're just touching base with God a little bit every once in a while, just to kind of, God, what are you doing out there? All right, and moving on. It's really not giving me enough time to have the Helper come in and really abide with Him and Him with me so that I am empowered to walk in His commandments. I'm empowered to listen to Him. I I can't do it if I'm just touching base a little bit. I need it all the time. I need it all the time. Number five, to bring about godly character, Galatians 5. The acts of the flesh are obvious—immortality, impurity, debauchery—I mean, talk about a heavy word there—idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, Discord? discord—the acts of the flesh are obvious, jealousy, fits of rage—I mean, I think sometimes we think some of these are really obvious, like fits of rage—obviously that seems really wrong, right? But some of these are things that are just going on on the inside that we don't even know. Nobody else has to know they're there. Nobody has to know if you're just jealous or if you're envious. That doesn't actually always show up on the outside. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying godly character on the inside, the acts of the flesh, self-ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. he says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. They will not. Do you remember up above what it said before in John 14? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then later on it says down below, but you can't do this without help. There's no way for us to keep the commandments. These these things here, acts of flesh, are we flesh? We're fully flesh. He's saying it. It's the acts of the flesh. It's what our body is pulled towards. It's a natural response to life without the Spirit. We cannot love Him and keep His commandments without the Spirit, without the Helper. I remember early on we were going through a, um, a series and just reading through in trying to think of where it is, but where Abraham comes down off the mountain, you know, and they'd already like had this surprise calf that popped out of the—completely made. Like they they just threw their gold into the fire, and out popped a calf, and they had no idea how it happened. They had no—if you think I'm telling the story right, then go back and read the word, because they were lying. They were scared, and they were like, we just threw our jewelry in and out popped the calf. I don't know what happened. They asked for something to worship, and the Lord was like, oh, my word, I'm going to kill these people. I have never said that over my children before, oh, my word, they're driving me crazy. And he was like, okay, and and so, (laughs) like, let's go back up the mountain and be like, Lord, no. What are we going to do? We have to fix this. How do we do this? And he comes back down the mountain, he was like, okay, this is what we're going to do. The manifest presence of God was around the mountain, right? And He was like, "You have to be a different people." And so He got called. He's like, "You're gonna, you're gonna have to do some acts." This is where circumcision, right? We're gonna walk in doing some very specific things, and we're gonna set you apart. And you're gonna do this and be a people who are set apart. And they all looked at him and said, "Yes, we'll do it." And I wonder if right there, God's heart went, "Here we go again. They're still not learning." They can't do it without me doing it for them, without me helping them. There's no way to do it. So, we see the whole word leading up to John 14 right here, saying, you can't do it apart from me. You cannot do it. You can't have godly character without me, but with me you have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. With me, you will have it. Apart from me, you can't. I want to tell you a quick story. Just a quick story. I actually typed my story up, and I've actually posted it on Facebook, too, because it hit me so much this last summer that I was just like, this is the way the Lord is speaking to me. Sometimes it's like, you know, uh, clear voices and and rainbows and sunshine, and other times it's like, Meg, I'm just going to keep pushing in on you. I'm just going to keep pushing in on you. And I've had people tell me over the last year, do you really think that you can hear the voice of the Lord? I'm like, yes. Well, how? I'm like, that's more conversation. That's more conversation to come. But this is—this is a short story, and I think I've shared part of it here before, but if you haven't heard it or if you had, here's encouragement again, okay? So, this is my story. In we go to Georgia every summer, if the Lord says to go, and it has been most of our marriage that we have gone to Georgia in the summer and worked at a camp that's there. It's a family camp. So, from birth, Josie was three months old the first time she went to this camp, and they just loved on her the whole time because I was teaching, and so— I couldn't take care of her. And so from birth to the end, both sides, they have stuff for everybody Um, a full teen camp with like ropes courses and a lake, you know, all the stuff. And, um, and, but the point of the whole time is really that it's time to be set aside before the Lord. So, it sounds like a super lot of fun, and it is, but it's also a lot of work, because it's actually really meant to be a, sigh, a time to go and be set aside, aside to time to listen and to hear. So, I was super excited. Two years ago, I went, and for the very first time ever, I was given this amazing breakfast bowl that had yogurt and fresh figs cut up on top of it and honey drizzled over that. And I'm telling you, I looked at it, and I was like, what is that fruit? And they were like, it's a fresh fig. And I was like, um, mm, mm. Like, Fig Newtons to me are the worst possible food I could ever be fed. And so, I was like, I don't, I don't know what a fig—I've never eaten a fig. Like, no. They look weird, by the way. They look weird when you cut them open and just the whole thing. But somebody said, no, you got to try this. You've got to try this. And so, I took a bite, and y'all, I ate— Myself sick of figs for two weeks. I mean, we—I had met this new friend, and he had a fig tree that's—I am not kidding. It's—the two trees are about the the length of the stage here, and they are huge trees, just huge trees. And he said, come and get as many as you want. I mean, we had like gallon bags of figs those two weeks. And then we came home with gallon bags of figs, and we ate on them. I have a hair somewhere. It's driving me crazy. We ate on them until there was not another fig left. And for two years, I— waited to be able to go back to camp because you know, the next year was the year that we shall not mention. And we didn't get to go back to camp last year. And so this year I was like, I can't wait to go back to camp. Camp is almost always about the same time period every year. And so they had told me, like, I mean, it's Georgia. it is hot. And so, those figs are like prime ripe time as soon as we get back to camp. And I was just like, oh, I can't wait for figs. I don't know where figs come from normally, but I've yet to find a fig in Kentucky. If you know a fig, let me know, because I have not found any here outside of dried. And again, don't do dried figs. Oh, look, there we go. Good luck, I'm still going. And so, so I was just so hungry for figs. And I have a friend of mine who told me, she's like, I think that might have been a spiritual hunger, Meg. Maybe the Lord had you hungry figs because he wanted you to be open and looking for something. Because I don't usually crave things like that. I mean, Brad can tell you during my pregnancies, I, I didn't have a whole lot of cravings. But I wanted figs for two years. So we get back to camp. And I'm just in awe. I'm thinking for two years, the Lord spoke to me through the fig tree. I mean, I've read all the verses about fig trees. I've studied figs in the Bible. You know, it's the only fruit that we know they had in the Garden of Eden was the fig tree. Do you know how we know that? Come on. Fig leaves, they covered themselves with fig leaves. And the Garden of Eden is perfect, right? Everything was perfect, so where there are fig leaves, there are figs. If you don't understand that, it says it in the New Testament. As soon as the fig leaf comes out, it is fig season. You know the figs are not far behind. But there was a blessing, actually, a Jewish blessing that talks about eating figs under your own fig tree. Now I have a fig tree, she's like this big, and her leaves are like this big. And some of them are about that big. I mean, they're big for how little she is, and she has like four little figs on her right now. All right, there's nothing to eating under that fig tree. So what does it mean, the blessing of eating your own fig tree? That fig has been established, it's been rooted, and it's you've been in one place long enough that that fig tree has had time to grow. Which says something for the Jewish people, because they moved around a whole lot. So to know that you'd been in one place long enough that your fig tree had become big enough that you could sit under your fig tree and eat fruit was a blessing. Does it make sense? So I hope one day to sit under my fig tree and eat its fruit. We might be a little cold in Kentucky for it to ever get that big, but we're trying it. So I was so excited. I get back to camp, we're setting stuff up, and, and I, I convinced Brad to go with me and, and get in. We have a little, um, what's that thing called, golf cart that we ride around camp because it's a big camp, but there's not a lot of parking space, so you get a golf cart. And I said, come with me, Brad. We're going to run over to our friend's house, and we're going to go pick some figs. I had my gallon bags and bug spray and my husband. I was like, we're going to get over there and go do that. And the trees were, are just loaded. You show up you, from a distance, I could see that they were just loaded with fruit, and they were this, these, you know, the huge leaves. I mean, they are like this big. It would be easy to like cover yourself with those fig trees and fig leaves. And so, we get there, and let me tell you, every fig on the entire tree was a hard knot. It was bright green and hard. And I was like, no, surely there have to be some. It's the same time of year. And they're always ripe this time of year. And we're looking and looking, and our friend comes out of his house, and he was like, I don't know what to tell you. And he was like, it's a late harvest this year. I was like, well, was it cold? No, it's actually been hotter than normal. I was like, well, I mean, why are they not ripe? And he's like, I don't know. You're just going to have to wait on them. Not the words I wanted to say. Not the words I wanted to hear. And he was like, no, there's not, there's not anything right here. You'll just going to, you'll have to check later. I'll keep looking for you. But even those very top ones at the very top, which we couldn't really even get to because it's like 15 feet tall, but they were trying to pull down and there was nothing. I was so disappointed. (sighs) Went back over to camp. I was just frustrated. I was like, how can I go- how can I ripen a fig? So I twisted one off. They don't want to come off, either. I had to twist it off, and I took it back to camp, and I was like, I'm going to Google this, figure out how to ripen the figs. Like, maybe I can put them in, like, bags, like a Ziploc bag with a banana, you know, or something. And so, you know, I was like, there has to be a way to, like, fake this out, to, like, make these kind of hurry up and—and and to ripen. And guys, guess what? There is no way to ripen the fig tree apart from the tree. They must stay attached until near harvest time, or they will rot. They'll rot. There's no way to do it, Google told me. My experience, I set that little fig on the countertop in our little kitchenette, and she just got soft and gross, and then there were fruit flies, so she went away. There was no happiness there. I was so sad. And we're at camp for a number of weeks, as you guys know, because like, you know, we were gone all of July. And so, we're there, and and the very last day of camp, the very last day of camp, I was praying through, and I was frustrated. I was having a one-sided argument, which you guys never have, I'm sure with the Lord. But I was having a one-sided argument that morning with the Lord, and I had been listening to um, this amazing Bible teacher named John Oswald who, when we were in Mississippi, he was uh, the Old Testament teacher down there, and then um, we—he was at camp this summer, and so he was teaching through Nehemiah. Oddly enough, one year to the day of Brad and the leadership team here teaching through Nehemiah last summer. And I was frustrated. It was the very end of Nehemiah, because we had been there the whole camp. And Nehemiah, the very end, ends with a warning from Nehemiah and a heartbreak from Nehemiah. All the things that the Lord had done, all the doors that he opened, all the gates that he rebuilt, the wall that was rebuilt, the work that people had done, the hard work, when nehemiah came back i think it says like 13 years later i'm not right sure at the moment i don't have it before me but he comes back to visit the king lets him go back to go visit and he says this line he says and it was if nothing had ever happened It had just gone back to the way it was and then it reminded me of of at the beginning where the people looked and said yes we will do and we will follow what you say we will go do it And they didn't. And I was just frustrated that morning. I was frustrated over my own impatience, wishing a few things in my heart and my life could ripen faster. And God said something really clear that morning. He said, I need you to wait on patience. Wait on patience. We just read it a minute ago. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's this song that we've taught the kids for years about the fruit of the Spirit. It's so important to recognize it, because when the Lord speaks to us, and at that moment, I was like, I have to wait on patience. Yeah, Lord, I know. Fruit of the Spirit, can't hurry it up. You've been talking to me about the dumb fig trees this week. Has to stay connected to the Lord, has to stay connected to the tree, can't hurry it up. So I decided to seek God and to be patient. I wanted to argue, but instead I knew that I had to allow him to bring out the outcomes, let him grow and mature and settle into his timetable or my lessons would be lost. I was so frustrated that day, y'all. So, I get out of Bible study. Bible study is really early in the morning, and I head back, and I'm making coffee, because as many of you know, I love coffee. And so, that's one of my praise God—one of my things that I do at camp is to brew coffee for the whole hotel. And it's like, I don't remember how many rooms, 130 rooms or something like that from all of—I mean, it's crazy. So, I had brewed over 120 pots of coffee in the last almost two weeks. And so, I was in there brewing coffee again, and and that little coffee maker was just— pumping away, and I'm taking it in there to the air pots, and, and I was um, prepping the area, the coffee station, just like you guys so beautifully do here, and I was getting it all ready, and I'm just standing there, and I'm trying to let go, because I'm still a little frustrated over the end of Nehemiah, and my frustration, all having this, like, head point that morning, like, I was just like, oh, I don't know what you're saying, but wait on patience, I'm, psh, I don't want to do that, I'm so annoyed, so I'm pouring the coffee, and suddenly this woman comes up to me out of the blue. She's getting her own coffee. She had spent the night. Her nephew, I think, or her son, was actually speaking at the Teen Tabernacle, so they came to support her. I'd never met her before. And she starts to tell me a story. And she looks at me and goes, do you like figs? I was like, I love figs. And she said, well, we've never met before, but... When we were getting ready to leave for the trip yesterday, right as my husband was already in the car and I annoyed him with this, I felt like the Lord said, go out and pick figs because my fig tree is just overflowing with figs. It had so many. And so, she hands me all this, and she has this little cooler and pulls out three bags of figs. And she was like, I just felt like the Lord said, I'm supposed to pick these. These are for someone specific, and I'll show you who they are. So, they have been in my car overnight. I'm so sorry, but here they are. And she hands me the figs, three bags of, three bags of figs. And I was just shocked. I was like, what? I was like, the Lord just told me this. I was having this frustration with the Lord, and he said I needed to wait on patience for him to provide and grow and mature, because he would be my provision. But I had to wait on patience. And she looks and she goes, Stop. She's like, my name is Patience. My mouth dropped open, and for a very rare moment, Meg had no words to say. The Lord was so clear, he said, I told you to wait on Patience. Guys, he speaks both of the symbolic, I need to grow patience and trust on him, and as well as to make sure that I'm a little slow, I got it. He knew that he had needed to bring me an actual woman by the name of patience to bring me what I couldn't force or mature to ripen on my own. His word is for the realities of in our life, not just the symbolic. Not just the symbolic, guys. I know we're running late, I'm going to hurry on this little bit. But number six right there is to empower for supernatural ministry. Listen, y'all, she didn't know that she was being empowered for supernatural ministry that morning. She was listening to the voice of the Lord, and it almost brought some discord between her and her husband because she's out there picking figs and he's in the car going, we're supposed to leave. She's like, just a minute, just a minute. 1 Corinthians 1, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but is the same God who empowers them in all, all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. She held a lesson in her hands that I would not have learned had she not brought them that day. She fulfilled weeks, if not two years, of a lesson the Lord had been preparing in my heart. And I would tell you, I'm not done with that lesson. So the Spirit is in here, in me, all the time, abiding and resting. We don't always feel it. You don't feel your spleen. You don't feel your pituitary gland. When I was younger, I know it sounds dumb, I had a tumor on my pituitary gland. Guys, it's called a brain tumor. It was very small. Thank the Lord it is not there any longer. But I had it and had no idea that it was there. I didn't feel it. I didn't know anything about it. They did some blood work and came back and said, we need to do a CAT scan, something's not right here. But I had no idea. But the Spirit is there, and it is right, and it is present all the time. But we have to stay connected to the Father. We have to abide back in the Father. Acts 19 says, we have never even heard that there was a spirit. There's an entire group of people. Read it later for yourselves. There's a whole group of people who had no idea that the Father was present on this earth. They were still doing the work, doing the work. And sometimes we live like we're those Acts 19 people that we don't even know there is a spirit. We know there's a word, and we know that there's hard work to be done. But we're cutting ourselves short if we don't abide and listen to him. Jumping right back in here, we were in John 14, one last thing, John 15. I would ask you guys to meditate on this this week with me, would you guys do that? John 15, I am the vine, the true vine. If you look in the Word, the Word will often describe Israel as two things, a vine and a fig tree. It's all over, He uses them both. I am the true fig tree, and my father is, I don't know, the fig farmer. Every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may have more fruit. Already you were clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Jump down to number seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. There's some if and thens there, by the way, if and thens that are in this statement. If you do this, then I will do. This isn't the genie. This is the Holy Spirit. So, I find myself at the end of today running a bit late, a whole lot late. Thank you guys for your patience, my story's a little long. But in this, I want to be a people who abide, finding where God is moving and dwelling in that place, soaking in an atmosphere of prayer, worship, and the Word, and practice listening and responding in faith responding in faith, because listen, you have something that the Lord's given you that someone else needs, and it may not be a bag of figs. I don't know what it is. It might just be an encouraging word. It might be a hard word. It might be a tissue, but you were given something that the world needs, and this woman was blown away. Y'all, she was just a very small, I would say probably very shy, tender woman, she would never stand up here on stage and tell this story herself. And she was kind of mortified, all, the big scene that I made all of a sudden out of it, when I was just like hooping and hollering and pulling people over, because that's who I am. And I was like, you would not believe this. And I mean, y'all, she was just like, I just was trying to be obedient. So this week, there are areas the Lord's going to say, just try to be obedient. But spend time with me. Move in. Don't let your oil lamp run dry, guys. It's a choice that we make. We can choose to run dry. But there are times when you feel like you're dry and the Lord's saying, choose to run to me instead. Choose to turn on the worship. Choose to lay on your face for a minute. Choose to turn off the TV and turn off Facebook. So if this week, if you'll do that with me, choose to to sit in John 14 and 15 with me this week. Because next week we're going to be talking about the manifest presence. But we need both. And I'd say right now, for some of us in here, our hearts need the abiding presence.